0: What's up, guys? I'm your host, Kayla Taylor, and welcome back to another brand new episode of the Listen to Me Speak podcast. We are on season two, episode 39, and I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into last week's episode. Those of you who listened, shared it on your social media, told your friends about it, I really do appreciate the love, and let's get right into this episode because I have a lot to discuss because finally, the music is picking up again, so I'm going to start right off with my first review of the episode, which is Big Sean and Hip Boy's new EP, What You Expect. So I just want to First I want to brag a little bit before I even get into this EP and just say that I spoke this project into existence like I told you guys last week I tweeted Hip Boy and Big Sean and said hey how dope would it be if you guys dropped a mixtape a a Hip Boy produced mixtape before the actual album and it seems like they agreed not just with I'm not saying that they just saw my tweet and just decided to do it but I'm just saying they probably had the same way of thinking and saying pretty much that they've been recording a lot of music together and just decided hey this music is dope it's not album worthy but it is good enough to kind of feed the fans and give them a taste of what they have cooking up for the album and Big Sean pretty much admitted that his album was coming out crazy and if this and this EP guys I'm not gonna give too much away without diving deep into like my other thoughts first but this EP is really good so I'm expecting this album to be exceptional So after Detroit 2 last year, I wanted Big Sean to get back to basics and just bar up and give us his crazy wordplay and just have fun and that's exactly what he did on this EP. What you expect sounds like Big Sean is born again. He's confident, he's rapping better than ever, his wordplay got even crazier and his flow is nuts. Both Sean and Hip Boy bring out the best of each other and their chemistry is insane and you can really hear that clear as day on this project. The production is very high energy and allows Sean the space to just go off and have fun. Loyal to a Fault is as deep as he gets on this EP where he lightly addresses a breakup and on this song you can hear some growth and maturity. Though he still comes at it with typical rappership by saying lines like quote, I can't be out here looking stupid love and lame hoes, he also addresses deeper reasons for why their relationship isn't working and how he has the habit of staying loyal for too long. Now I know a lot of people on t- Twitter were thinking that this song was based off of his real life, that him and Janae were going through a breakup, especially because they hadn't been like posting pictures with each other on social media like usual. You can't always assume that because especially an artist like Big Sean is really good at just creating stories and they're not necessarily reflective of what's going on in his real life. It could have just been a story that him and Hit Boy came up with in the studio. One of Big Sean's strong suits is his storytelling, and he can really have you invested in really believing a story that he's telling. He did the same thing on Tyrone 2021, which dropped last year off of Ty Dolla Sign's album. And I knew that he it wasn't based off of his real life, but the story was so interesting and like engaging that it was kind of like, this would be kind of crazy if this was something he was actually really going through. Honestly, when it comes to Big Sean and Janae they're off and on. You can. For me, I feel like they'll be one of those couples that just end up together forever even if they take breaks from each other or break up briefly they just seem like that type of couple and they seem to fit really well so I actually would have been surprised if they were no longer together and I think they were together on Halloween because she posted you know her cute little Dorothy Halloween costume she posted you know pictures of her daughter and Big Sean was in some of those photos so I think it's safe to say that loyal to a fault is just a story he had fun telling and he's not actually going through some of the things he talked about or maybe he is and they're just working through it. I will say though that this song took a little bit to grow on me it's not listed under my top tracks because the first time I heard the song it was cool but I didn't think I would return to it and then as I kept listening and after I watched the music video I'm like I actually really do rock with this song and I like the story that each of the artists are telling on the record. Little Dirk and Bryson had stellar verses on Loyal to a Fault. Dirk just comes right in floating on the track and Dirk has really had great featured verses all year. I will give him that. I, I think I'm becoming a little bit more of a little Dirk fan. I don't know if I would listen to an entire project of him, but I don't mind hearing him featured on other records and I don't mind a song or two. Bryson's verse is his best guest verse in a long time. He just flowed all over the production and again, it's just a testament of how great of a producer Hitboy Boy is because I I truly believe he brings out the best in artists and, and watching that interview that both Hip Boy and Big Sean just did for GQ and hearing some of his process and you know how it, him and Nas he came up with a lot of the music stories on King's Disease 2 you can tell that Hip Boy is a producer in every sense of the word he's just not making the beats he's bringing the best out of these artists he's having real conversations with them they're talking about real life he's inspiring them and that's what makes him so great. Offense is a fun record too with Sean, Babyface Ray and 42 Doug just going off and bringing like freestyle and chaotic energy to the track. Big Sean definitely sounds hungry and he sounds like he has something to prove and if this is the energy now then I know his next album is going to sound absolutely nuts. The top tracks from what you expect are Chaos, Into It and The One so I'm going to get into these three tracks. So I'm going to start off with Chaos. This track is a brilliant intro to this EP because it really sets the tone for the rest of the project. Throughout the track, Big Sean shows off a few different flows and his wordplay and use of double entendres are impressive here. I love the way he bends words on this track and how he's consistent with his rhyme scheme. Examples include quote, I'm down the street from Denzel Estate, right around the corner from Babyface, not my dog Babyface Ray, I mean the Babyface. Here he bends the words and meanings two different ways by clarifying that he lives near Babyface the singer, not the rapper. An example of one of my favorite double entendres on this track is Addicted to C Notes, I Went Up an Octave. The next song on my top track list is "Into It." Big Sean made this beat his bitch. He rode the fuck out of the beat and his flow was incredible. Again, his wordplay and lyrical skill are impressive and they're so impressive that it's a wonder people still sleep on him. One of my favorite lines on this track is quote, it's all in the genes, you ain't gotta guess. For the double entendre, for example, the genes are two different ways. He says the first meaning that's obvious to me is that he's talking about his literal genes, his DNA and saying that you know he's great because it's in his DNA and also on the flip side he's talking about jeans that you actually wear and guesses a brand of jeans so it's not like it's overly impressive but it's witty it's clever and I really like it. Another one of my favorite lines is quote I gave your album like two or three listens honestly that shit a way better frisbee. I thought that was hilarious with him comp- comparing the fact that he's throwing the CD in the trash to throwing a uh, frisbee in the air. I just thought that was cool. And one of the things I loved about Sean earlier in his career was his funny and witty lines, which some people clown now because some of them haven't aged. In the best of ways but he's not the only rapper that has like bad lines that just didn't age well I just kind of think that he gets the worst of it and, and people are a little too hard on him because J. Cole has some pretty crappy lines I've heard some weak ones from Kendrick nobody's perfect you're gonna have some duds but though that's the type of energy that I missed from Sean and he's been really really serious over the past couple of years so this EP was just it was just nice to hear him have fun and not take himself too seriously. One of the things I love the most about Hip Boy is his beat switches, and the beat switch on into it from a lively trap beat to a soulful one was so seamless that it was heavenly. Both beats are dope, but I wish the soulful beat was much longer because Sean floats over those, and this and the second part of that beat reminds me of some of the stuff that Key Wayne gives to him, so that was nice to hear on this track. The last song I wanted to get into is the one. The moment I heard the SWV sample I lost my mind. Hitboy really chopped up and utilized that sample correctly and you can't go wrong with an SWV sample. It definitely leads and makes the song but Hitboy still did his thing with it and gave it his own spin. Again Sean rides this beat crazy and his flow on this is godly. One of my favorite punchlines at least I consider it one is quote Plus it's going gold if I ever put palms to it and I did my whole career in napalm fluid so we the ones that blowed up y'all niggas blew it. I also love the way he bends words in order to keep up with his rhyme scheme throughout the track. It's impressive. The song also has tons of quotables that I'll be using for the rest of the year and that's definitely something you can say about Sean is that he has a lot of quotables in the early 2010s a lot of people were using lines from his verses. He just always had a verse that you just couldn't forget. And that's why it was interesting hearing um, him tell the story of how he remained on click. I think it was click where there were eight or nine different verses from different rappers. And Jay-Z said, keep Big Sean's verse. It'll be me, Big Sean, and Kanye keep his verse on there. Just because he always has those lines that you just can't ignore. You can't forget. They really stick with you. And that's why... All of Me was as big of a record as it was because of Big Sean's verse and it made perfect sense that he you know ended the song because he had so almost every line in that verse was a quotable so that's one of his strong suits. What you expect should be further proof that Big Sean is deserving to be in everybody's top fives. He's a highly skilled lyricist and honestly he's out rapping a lot of your favorite rappers. This project is one of the highlights from rap this year and should be in everyone's end-of-the-year list. So that wraps up my thoughts about the What You Expect EP, but you know I had to get a little bit into the drama. And I have to start off by saying that the Joe Button podcast is definitely reaching with the Sean versus Wale stuff. So if you guys don't listen to that podcast, pretty much Joe Button is the king of trying to manufacture rap beefs that don't exist. He did it with Kendrick Lamar and Big Sean in 2017 and it worked because a lot of people seem to think that they were actually beefing and it probably it caused real issues between them and now he's doing it again with this Wale stuff and I feel like he should have learned his lesson because even on the pull-up interview that Big Sean did he kind of called him out for it and said that hey this is this friction that you're trying to create in rap you shouldn't be doing it and honestly this is just coming up coming from a bitter rapper who wants to see people beef I I know what this is I'm just surprised that he's trying to do it again with Wale by saying that Big Sean dropping his single from his EP the same day that Wale was dropping his album makes him believe that there's some kind of issue there first of all all Big Sean did was drop a single Wale dropped a whole album it's not like Big Sean dropped an album and even if he did that doesn't signify beef to me It was just last year that Wale was on Detroit too and Big Sean was praising him for his verse, a verse I felt like was the standout on the album. So I really am not believing that Big Sean's, the tension that Big Sean is talking about is really with Wale. Like I mentioned last week, Big Sean did talk about feeling regret of claiming certain people as friends who were just using him on some industry slimy shit and things like that. I don't think that Wale is included in in some of this, um, smoke that Big Sean has been throwing out I do believe a lot of it is just for the sport of rap I think a lot of it was generalization I don't think he was particularly talking to one person I think a lot of Big Sean's issues were with Kanye in good music Big Sean was just at Kanye Sunday service so I think it's something that they can work through I don't think it's something that is the end of the world I I don't think that it's the end of the relationship between them I think that that's something that they have either worked at or are or are working on but Big Sean did address good music in that way and I don't think we'll ever know the actual other artists that he was addressing when he you know claimed that there are artists that he wrote for that he didn't get credited for on publishing. Honestly the first artist that came to mind was Drake for some reason. They did post a picture together recently and the caption was kind of passive aggressive I read that as where you know Big Sean was like we haven't seen each other in in years but it's all love and Big Sean and Drake used to work together a lot earlier in the 2010s and they and they don't really anymore that could be who he's talking about I know Big Sean has a relationship with Boy Wanda I think Wayne has worked with that camp too and again this was just an assumption I'm not saying that it is Drake I'm not Joe Budden I'm not gonna say Big Sean and Drake are beefing he was just the first rapper that came to mind I'm sure there are others that he could be talking about it may have nothing to do with Drake but I do think that we have forgotten that rap is a competitive sport so when a rapper throws subs like Big Sean did on his What You Expect EP where he said that you're that these rappers albums are a better frisbee I think he's just talking in general Saying that he's a better, he's the best rapper out. He's better than any of the rappers in your top five. Like this is just rapper shit. This is the kind of shit that they talk, they pop off, they're competitive. They have huge egos. This comes with rap. Whether you're a man or a woman in rap, everybody thinks they're the best. And if you are a rapper, that's how you should feel. You should always feel, even outside of rap. And whatever you do in life, you should always feel like you're the best. Because if you don't, you're in the wrong industry. Whatever industry that may be, you're in the wrong one if you do not think you're the best. I think my podcast is the best podcast ever. I'm in the right place. That's how you should feel. So I really don't think that there is any real issues with Wale and Big Sean I don't really think there's any real issues between Wale and um, Freddie Gibbs because they talked about that as well I think it's just all in good fun and at the end of the day Big Sean is really not a rapper that you find in a lot of beefs or in a lot of conflict he kind of tries to keep the peace so even if he does have actual beef beef with a rapper we'll never actually know who it is because he's just not that type and when they were talking about They didn't like the fact that Big Sean was addressing this now because it coincided with um, his release. He's not the only rapper to do this. Big Sean has become a rapper who when it's time to promote his music or something, he's active on social media. When he's not actively recording or there's nothing to promote, he now is not on social media as much as he used to be and I think it's just because social media can be very toxic and I don't mind when artists do that to be honest I don't need all that extra shit like the shit that Meek's doing on Twitter or the shit that Tory does on on social media the antics get old very quickly especially when you are of a certain age Big Sean is now in his 30s I don't expect him to keep posting like he was in his 20s he's I'm hoping maturing he's a grown man And he doesn't need to be doing all that extra shit on Twitter but I think every now and then sometimes you need to vent and when you are a public figure and you've been missing and you've been kind of quiet sometimes the fans want to know what you're thinking what's been going on and I think when he went on that little rant on Twitter it was kind of just filling people in who had questions like he left good music after 14 years. You don't just leave a label quietly like that you have to address it and I think that was his way of addressing it saying hey it's all love but I wasn't getting as much money as I should have been getting in that deal, in this new deal. I own my master's and I'm getting a way bigger cut. And it's as simple as that. I don't think that he was trying to use any of this as a way to sell his music. I don't really think so because it didn't come off that way. And like I said Big Sean is not prone to this even in the in the times that he's actually been involved in controversy or drama in his career he's never really gone to social media to fan the flames or address it or or do a lot of the extra shit so I personally didn't see it this way but hey everybody has their own perspective and their opinions but I definitely think the Wally and Big Sean bullshit is a reach. Before I end this topic though, I will say that one of the things, one of the positives that came out of kind of that time on Twitter last year when people were kind of roasting Big Sean for his corny lines, I think it gave him the hunger and push to be like, you know what? I am great and I'm gonna prove it to them. I personally don't think he needs to prove it to anybody because anybody with, you know, taste in music with an ear knows that Big Sean gets busy. He's one of the best rappers of my generation but I think sometimes when you've been stagnant or you're just kind of coming back after being gone for a while you kind of need that that push or that criticism to give you that hunger to remind you of why you, you do this in the first place and I kind of think that's what that gave him and we're hearing that on the What You Expect EP and hopefully on the album as well. Moving on from Big Sean, I also wanted to get into Megan Thee Stallion's new project Something For The Hotties. So Something For The Hotties is pretty much a compilation of songs like Freestyles and Lucy's that were supposed to go on other projects. You can definitely tell which tracks had more of a Tina Snow vibe to them and she had other songs that had kind of like a Fever-esque production if that makes sense. Now I went into this project with low expectations because it's not an album but that was a great thing because I ended up liking the project way more than I thought I would. I love that Megan worked with producers other than Little Jew, though he did produce some tracks. You can definitely tell the difference in songs like Kitty Cat, Pipe Up, and All of It, which are highlights on this project. I love that Buddha Bless provided Megan with more r and influence production because it was a nice change of pace for her and it allowed her to try some softer flows. I also love the 2000s influence that I heard throughout this project as well. Back during that time there were tons of great rap and R&B collabs and some of that production some of the production on this project reminds me of that. One of my favorite things about Megan is that she has the funniest lines. She's very witty and that's part of what makes the song so fun and of course you hear a lot of that throughout this project. Certain songs showcase the potential for growth and I hope for her next album that she really does try something different. I feel like Something for the Hotties should be the last of what's been the usual for Megan and she should really branch out and try something new. The top tracks from Something for the Hotties is Southside Forever Freestyle, Megan's Piano, All of It, Kitty Cat, and Bagels. Southside Forever Freestyle is the first track I'm going to get into. I love the beat because it's distinctly Megan. It's hard like her flows and it has that southern style that you come to expect when listening to her music. Just this freestyle is just if you want to know who Megan is, you can just listen to this freestyle. There's so much of her identity in it. The beat also brings out the bars in Megan and she absolutely killed it. Her flow switch towards the end of the song is nuts. I love this track when she originally dropped it earlier in the year and I love it even more and I'm glad she released it on streaming services because I know I'm not the only one who was begging for her to put it on streaming when she released it on Twitter so I'm glad we can stream it now. My favorite lines are quote, every bar I spit hard so the beat erect. Hoes love to play with me until I let it eject. The next song I wanted to get into is Megan's piano. The melody that Megan created herself with the piano is actually really dope. It has the simple nursery rhyme feel to it and as we all know it's the simple melodies and beats that go the hardest and on this song it's no different. That's one thing I'm learning as I force myself to stop trying to make super complex beats. Sometimes it's just simple things that you create to put a beat together. I have to always remind myself of that and Megan's Piano is a great example of that. What makes this track so good is that the lines are so witty that it makes it fun to listen to and rap along to as well and like I said before she's always good for that. My favorite lines from Megan's piano are quote don't call me sis because I'm not your sister you really need to come and get your mister seeing all my ops linked up in a picture everybody look busted injured and also quote do say this rich bitch energy y'all little ho still drinking that Hennessy. Now honestly when she said that I felt Like it was a shot at me because I still enjoy Hennessy. I love Doucet as well, but I still drink Henny. And a lot of people have been on this, you know, haterade ride when it comes to Hennessy. I don't know where the hate came from. Like last year, everybody was into Henny and now all of a sudden people are like, oh, nah, fuck Henny. That's for the old heads. I'm drinking this now. I'm drinking Doucet. So I felt a little way, but I'm gonna still drink my Hennessy. I don't care what Megan say because Hennessy is still good to me. The next song I want to get into is All Of It. The samples used in this beat were utilized very well, those samples are What's Your Name by The Moments and Can't Leave Them Alone by Sierra. These samples give the song that old school hip hop feel by flipping a 70s record to give the beat soul, while the Sierra sample modernized the song in a way by giving us that 2000s R&B sound with a hip hop edge. Really this gives Blueprint vibes to me as well and if I didn't know any better I'd think that Ye produced this record. The beat is what really makes the song but I love the softer flow from Megan on this and I really love the hook. My favorite lines are quote, I got blue faces, credit cards, wire transfers, logging in his bank accounts, got the passwords, I want all of it. The next song I wanted to get into is Kitty Cat and I just love the spelling of this track because it reminds me of Beyonce's song and I'm pretty sure um, the spelling was inspired by that because you know Megan loves her some Beyonce but who doesn't? The producers who worked on this project really did their fucking thing because the production on this song is so dope and I feel like that's all I've been saying but it's true. Even if I didn't know that the song samples two live crew you can tell that this is 80s inspired and it sounds so old school hip-hop. On top of that, Megan is flowing and spitting some of her hardest bars on this project. And back to the producers doing their thing, you know, I don't know much about two live crew. but I was talking to my dad the other night about some of their music and how um, that group caught a lot of flack for how explicit and um, sexually crude, I guess you could say, how sexual... How sexually explicit their music was and how they got in a lot of trouble for that and they were part of the reason that the parental advisory sticker was so enforced and Megan's music is also very bold in your face and sexually explicit so the fact that they took a group like two live crew and they took a song and flipped it for Megan's use just the producers definitely understood the assignment with that because that was a perfect connection so on top of the production already being amazing. Megan is flowing and spinning some of her hardest bars on this project. Kitty Cat is the the true standout. This also provides today's audience um, a new twist on the typical twerk anthem because the bass coupled with the drums make for a great dance track. My favorite lines are, quote, I started getting money and I got on my Beyonce. Them hoes gotta sign an NDA to come around me. I'm feeling like Khalees cause a bitch real bossy. And I just love these lines cause I just love the way she spits them. I love the way... I love her cadence and the way that she says certain words like certain words in this line shouldn't really rhyme but the way she says it she forces them to and I love when rappers do that. And I also love the hook on this as well she says here kitty kitty here kitty kitty and it just it makes for like Megan really knows how to put together a record that'll make you dance that plays well on the radio she knows what a hit sounds like and she knows how to write really great hooks I don't think I say that a lot about Megan but she really does. The last song I wanted to get into is Bagels. I love the softer side of Meg and it showcased a little more on this project. Bagels is one of those tracks where she's capable of softening up her flow when she needs to. I love that this sounds like an R&B track but has enough of a rap edge that it works for Megan. The hooks throughout this project like I said aside from that shit are really good and it shows that she's improved on that aspect some of her hooks from earlier in her career aren't as strong as they've been in recent years, like I said, outside of that ship because that's probably one of her worst hooks. But for the most part, Megan knows how to come up with a really catchy hook and that's something that she's improved of since her Tina Snow project, I think. I really love the melody on Bagels and I just love this track, period. My favorite lines are, quote, Real nigga me please. Let's get dressed like Kim Ye, sit courtside like Keisha and Gucci, rich like Jay and Beyonce and also quote point fifty one on me, Icy, hot girl make it spicy, it's a lot of fish in the sea and I probably really need to catch a Pisces, I got a smart mouth, I'm not no dumb bitch, I make him come quick, good pussy, crazy girl, that's what this shit come with. So all in all, Something for the Hotties was a much better project than I anticipated. It has great club records, great bars, amazing production, and shows some growth in Megan that I hope that she carries on to her next album. The final album I'm reviewing on this episode is Equals by Ed Sheeran, and this album is pretty much about the joys of fatherhood and marriage and also loss. Tides, the opening track, has very noisy and upbeat verses, which reflect Ed's past, However, the chorus slows to a calm ease, which reflects Ed's new life as a new father and husband. This song kind of clashes, but not in a bad way, which accurately shows the duality of his fast-paced life as a musician and the peacefulness that comes with fatherhood. It's a good way to start off an album like Equals. Songs like Leave Your Life and Sandman are dedicated to his daughter and really show his growth as a human being. This album is less about partying and nonsensical things and more about his adoration for his daughter and though love songs can get old quick, especially since the love songs on this album don't live up to his past love songs, the ones about his daughter are the best because you can hear his heart and soul on these records. Though the songs about death on this album are sad and heavy, Ed uses these experiences to be a better father to his child. And cause him to start preparing and thinking about things he wouldn't have before his child got here. It's great to hear his growth as a human, however this album is too safe. Aside from the songs about his daughter, Equals is filled with songs and production that we've heard Ed create better versions of in the past. The production just isn't exciting or fresh and from 2017 or even 2019 to 2021 it really doesn't sound like he's grown as a musician much. The top tracks from Equals are Visiting Hours, Overpass, Graffiti, Leave Your Life, Two-Step, and Love in Slow Motion. So I'm gonna get into Visiting Hours first. This is a heavy and sad song about the loss of a loved one. This song honestly makes me cry every time I hear it because it hits close to home for me and a lot of people who have suffered from loss probably feel the same way. You can hear the grief in Ed's voice which makes the song even sadder, especially when you hear him sing lines like, quote, so much has changed since you've been away. It sounds so soft and choked up that you can tell he had been crying. The production is mainly a guitar, which is all the song really needs. It adds the somberness of the record. Towards the end of the song, though, horns do come in, which just sounds like a coming home song. It sounds like you're at someone's funeral and before they, you know, finish up, they play a song. This is this sounds like the song they would play at a funeral and it's just very raw and despite how sad it is, that's what makes it a, a, a top track on the album. I was going to say shining moment, but that didn't feel like the appropriate word to use, but visiting hours is definitely a highlight off of the album. My favorite lines are, quote, I wish that Heaven had visiting hours because I think we all felt that line. I think if we could have one hour with a loved one who passed away um, to Heaven and we can talk to them for an hour, it would be, I think that would help us, our grieving process a little bit. I also really like, quote, because this is not goodbye, it's just till we meet again. The next song I wanted to get into is Love in Slow Motion. This is Equal's big love song. Each of Ed's albums have them. Perfect, Thinking Out Loud, etc. And though it pales in comparison, it's still a beautiful cinematic moment. His writing on this track is poetic and one of his strong suits is storytelling and it's done well again on this track. I'm a sucker for the guitar and the guitar is stunning here. His vocals also sound so tender. Love in Slow Motion tells the story of a married man basking in a peaceful moment alone with his wife, and it's reflective of where Ed's at in his life. My favorite lines are, "quote, and I want to love tonight, one on one by the candlelight, over and over we spend our lives living fast forward, but not tonight, love in slow motion." The next track I'm going to get into is Two Step. This is one of the more fun and upbeat tracks on the album. The sing-rapping flow on a trap-influenced beat shouldn't work for Ed, but it does and he doesn't sound corny. Again, I think he pulled this off better on songs like New Man on his Divide album, but Two Step is still a good song. I love the melody, the hook, his cadence, and the production. My favorite lines are quote, "I feel like I've got nothing left right now except this beauty in her dress right now." And also to step in with the woman I love just because I think it's sweet the way he sings and writes about his wife is really is really cute it's really beautiful the next song is Leave Your Life on this song Ed describes it as a love letter to his daughter so that whenever he leaves to travel or if he god forbid ever passed away unexpectedly she's reminded that he loves her it's wholesome and it's a stunning track it's poetically written and I love the way he describes the color of her eyes It really pulls at my heartstrings. Having a parent that's as good of a songwriter as Ed Sheeran must be so dope. She's really gonna love that when she gets older I bet. My favorite lines from this are quote, You'll never know the weight of my heart every time I leave you. And also quote, Even at the times I'm miles away, you are always on my mind. Forever and now I will be by your side. I know it can change from day to day but this love will keep alight. The last song I wanted to get into and one of my favorites on the album is Overpass Graffiti. Like I've said before, Ed is a great storyteller and a strong writer and that's what I love about this track. It sounds like that song that plays in the time jump of a movie after a main character suffers from a breakup and is reflecting on the relationship. It's just a really good track, simple as that and you know a lot of Equals has... I will say that and it makes sense because this is a long-running series of his albums they this album has components not components so this album has certain songs that are typical that's the better way of saying it this album has certain um tracks that are typical for an Ed Sheeran album and Overpass Graffiti is one of those records it reminds me of Castle on the Hill for some reason and I think part of the problem with Equals is that You, I've heard other versions of this song before on other albums that I enjoyed much better but Overpass Graffiti is a strong track and that's one of the ones I think he did right. My favorite lines are quote I will always love you for what it's worth will never fade like graffiti on the overpass and I know time may change the way you think of us and also quote there were times when I forget." lows and think the highs were all that we'd ever known. The cards were stacked against us both." Now when I first shared my thoughts about this album after the first listen I was a little too harsh on the album. I was disappointed I'm not gonna lie because like I said like I just said I felt like I had heard better versions of this music on his past albums and I feel like that's also a testament that maybe the series that he's created is running a little too long. For those of you who don't know, all of Ed's albums, or studio albums, I should say, or sh- I should say, geez, I can't speak today. All of his albums, his studio albums, are based off of math symbols. So the first one was plus, the next one was multiply, the last album was divide, and now this is equals. And so, like I was trying to touch on before, Ed has a certain formula for each album and now that he's gotten to Equals I feel like that formula has grown stale so there are certain songs off of Equals where I'm like I heard a better version of this on Divide, I heard a a better version of this on Multiply which Multiply I think is probably my favorite Ed album and so when I first listened to Equals I was disappointed. Now on the next listen I didn't feel as disappointed some of the songs grew on me I was like okay well maybe I was too hard on the album or my expectations were too high it's not as bad but it still feels too safe for an artist like Ed Sheeran it feels like a watered down version of him certain songs like Bad Habits feel like a bad imitation of Ed Sheeran and I've said this before artists like Shawn Mendes I felt like were chasing his sound and just weren't quite getting it right and a song like Bad Habits sounds like A song that Shawn Mendes would have accepted. It sounds like an Ed Sheeran reject so I think that's what fed into my disappointment on this album. Equals is a reminder that maybe Ed's music needs a little reviving. It's nothing life-changing but it gets the job done. Now that wraps up my album reviews. I did want to get into some of the singles so Alicia Keys released the second single off of her upcoming album double album Keys and It's called Best of Me. So the theme of this double album is that one side is going to be the originals aka the piano ballads and the other side are going to be the unlocked versions aka the remixes that Mike Will is producing. So she released both the original and unlocked version of Best of Me and to be honest I prefer the unlocked version. I think that the original isn't bad but I think it's a little too slow for me and it feels empty and what Mike Will did on the unlocked version was kind of fill in those empty spaces and I just preferred it. You can't go wrong with either one, I preferred it. I love the sample choice, I like that she sampled Sade. I think that that was a great fit and I think that my, well, my main criticism of her last album was that it was too slow so I like the fact that she's doing a double album with this one because you know Alicia Keys loves her piano ballads you know the piano that's who she is that's her DNA her name is Alicia freaking Keys for a reason so I think on this album it'll allow her to give us what we want which is more upbeat lively stuff and it'll also allow her to still do the piano balance that ballads that she loves to do and you know I'm pretty sure some of her fans love that as much as she does so there's something for them and for me who wants her to kind of get back to maybe her roots and you know a little bit of her older sound that you know some of the upbeat stuff, the the hip-hop edge that she used to have, she just had so much flavor back then and so she's providing, you know, those fans like me with something as well so I think that this is going to work out really well for her and I think I'm going to enjoy the Unlocked version of her album which comes out December 10th so I will be locked in and give a review of that album when it drops. YG also dropped a new song Sign Language and he's on a new deal like Big Sean where he's finally owning his masters he's got his own label and you know he was one of those artists at Def Jam that was complaining about his awful deal so I'm always happy for an artist that are getting what they deserve and so he dropped his first single on this new deal sign language and honestly it feels like YG is returning to himself he sounds back to his like he's getting back to his roots this is the first YG song I've loved now I liked some of his recent songs But this is the first YG song I've loved in a long time. This beat, which samples a Snoop Dogg record, I don't remember which one it samples, but it just sounds so West Coast-like and YG gets a lot of praise because he really was the artist that brought back a new, I won't say G-funk, but he brought back or how can I say this? He popularized West Coast music again him mustard Ty Dolla Sign they were huge factors into bringing back that west coast sound which is why YG gets a lot of love he gets a lot of respect and I feel like he's kind of fallen from that for a while and sign language is just a return to that it just sounds like fun west coast music the beat doesn't sound um repetitive like a lot of his beats have been sounding in the past it sounds fresh He sounds revitalized, he sounds hungry again, he sounds like he's ready to have fun and sign language definitely immediately went on my rap playlist. I'm probably going to be playing the hell out of it for the rest of the year. I do wish it came out in the summer but that doesn't mean we can't bump it next summer so it's great to hear YG sounding like himself again. So that wraps up my music segment. I did want to talk about Fetty Wap facing a possible life in prison sentence. So he apparently was set to perform at Rolling Loud New York and right before he was able to hit the stage he was arrested on pretty much Rico charges and now he is facing life in prison. Now obviously I don't think Fetty Wap is actually going to end up getting life. He will probably cop a plea deal, maybe he'll snitch on people because let's be real a lot of your favorite rappers put in certain positions they will snitch to get a lighter sentence. Now a lot of these charges that they're hitting Fetty Wap with and I don't remember all of the charges, they are very serious so even though I don't think he'll get a life sentence I do think he will be doing significant time. I'm not someone who's a huge Fetty Wap fan but I was disappointed because you know he had in the beginning of his career you know he had a lot of buzz, He, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing him and then he fell off. This man just recently dropped an album, he sounded like he was trying to get back on his feet, he was trying to give the music another shot and as soon as he starts to get a little bit of buzz he ends up in trouble with the law and this is something we see happen in a lot of rappers careers where it's man we're rooting for you, you're finally in a good place, you're successful but you still can't leave that life alone. You have to choose, you can't do both, you can't still be in the streets and do this music thing. That's what I love about watching the Wu-Tang show RZA is pretty much telling the Wu-Tang clan this when he gave them the contracts to sign in the contract it said hey you can't be doing the street shit anymore if you're in Wu-Tang you can't be doing that anymore you can't live this double life it'll catch up to you you can't do both and usually the street life wins out and then if you're in jail you can't create no music anymore you can't do anything this is a way out. Now, obviously, making it in music is a one-in-a-million shot. It's even harder today than it was back then. But for a lot of them, rap, it had to happen because this was how they were going to feed their families. So once you make it, once you become that one-in-a-million and you make it, you got to leave that street shit alone. It's, it doesn't love you. And that's why it's so frustrating and disappointing when these artists can't leave it alone after they've made it. It just I just don't understand it. I never will and Fetty Watt better hope that he doesn't end up doing any serious time because these charges sound scary they really do. I also wanted to talk about the fact that I was a little shocked that Drake didn't submit any songs for a record or song of the year for the 2022 Grammys. Now he submitted some of his music he submitted to the rap categories and things like that but he surprisingly did not submit for those big categories and when I really thought about it I'm thinking maybe Drake doesn't feel like he had that one big record that he felt like could compete for record or song of the year, because Drake didn't really have a, a big record. I would have assumed he would have put "Way Too Sexy" in that category, but to me, compared to the other songs that I that I listed in my predictions for that category, it really doesn't stand a chance and maybe that's what he was thinking or maybe he's on the weekend wave where he feels like the Grammys aren't as important anymore so I'll submit a couple of songs to appease the Academy but I don't care enough to submit anything for record or song of the year. I think it's very clear that Drake may feel the same way a lot of us feel about this album. It wasn't his strongest work and he's already over it. He dragged the fuck out of this album rollout just to kind of quit promoting it after it released it's still number one it's still selling tons of copies so it'll prove it's not a flop sales wise but to me it is the weakest in his discography I hope he has that realization himself and if he decides to drop something else next year which he almost 100% will especially now that things are looking a little bit brighter for touring I really hope the next project whether it's another album a mixtape a joint whatever the fuck he decides to do I hope it's better than Certified Lover Boy. So before I end this episode I have to get into the song of the week and the song of the week is of course The One by Big Sean. Now it was a little difficult to come up with the song of the week this week because there were so many great contenders but I can always choose them for future episodes but The One is one of my favorite new releases of this past week and I've been having it on repeat so it only made sense to make it the song of the week if you have not heard the one or Big Sean's new EP What You Expect definitely check it out and let me know if you agree with my review of the EP and the song or if you don't that's cool too So we have reached the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and ramble for a little over 45 minutes. It's a little bit of a shorter episode this week, surprisingly, considering with all the music that I had to get into. If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast, then please give Listen to Me Speak a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you rate your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with this podcast further, then please head to my website, www.listentomespeak.com. There are links to all of my social medias on my website. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even YouTube. And if you want to support Listen To Me Speak even further, then please consider donating to my listeners' donations, which can be found on my Anchor page or on my website. Again, that's www.listentomespeak.com. And like I say every week, be kind to yourselves and thank you for listening to me speak.